Blog Talk Radio. The following broadcast is brought to you by the iGolf Sports Network. Golf Talk Live is sponsored by the iGolf Sports Network and Golf Tips Magazine. Here's Andrew to tell you more about our sponsors. iGolf Sports is a live stream broadcast and media production company providing quality programming designed to attract the golfing enthusiast. And Golf Tips, the game's most in-depth instruction magazine, including reviews on the latest equipment, tips from top teaching professionals, all designed to help you improve from tee to green. Welcome to Golf Talk Live with your host, Ted Odorico. Join Ted each week as he speaks with some of the best in golf. This week's special guest will join us a bit later. But first up is another great discussion on Coach's Corner. So let's introduce tonight's Coach's Corner panel. All right, good evening, everybody, and once again, welcome to Golf Talk Live. I'm your host, Ted Odorico, and we've got a great show for you tonight. As always, uh, we're going to start things off here in just a moment uh, with another great discussion on the Coach's Corner panel. And then a little bit later on, I'm going to be joined by this evening's special guest, uh, Will Carswell. He is the sales director for Blue Tees Golf. He'll be joining me on the second half of the show, so I'm looking forward to speaking with him. And uh, just a reminder, of course, we are live every Thursday evening from 6 to 8 p.m. Central here on the blogtalkradio.com network. Of course, if you're on the East Coast, that would be 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern. Um, If you're joining us for the first time, uh, welcome to the show. And uh, obviously you found us uh, either online or you've heard about the show through somebody. Um, Best way to to catch us live is, of course, go to blogtalkradio.com forward slash golf talk live. Or if you're not able to tune in live, you can listen anywhere uh, podcasts are heard on any of the social media platforms like iTunes, CastBox, excuse me, CastBox and Spotify. Uh, and we'll tell you a little bit more about that at the end of the show. But um, for those of you joining us live, again, welcome to the show. Um, I'm going to just introduce the Coach's Corner panel here, and then we will get into tonight's discussion. Uh, first up, of course, is a good friend and uh, returning uh, special guest on the Coach's Corner panel each season. Of course, I'm talking about my good friend John Hughes, who is a PGA Master Professional and an honorary president of the North Florida PGA section. And he was also a recipient of the 2013 PGA's Professional Development Award as well as a senior editor and Golf Tips Magazine top 25 instructor and part of the Golf Tips advisory staff. Also, uh, first time on the show uh, and to the panel is Jim Endicott. He is the director of instruction at the Royal St. Cloud Golf Links in Florida. Uh, over 33 years of uh, great teaching experience to all levels of uh, golfers, and he's received uh, numerous uh, awards, including just a few, uh, the Orange Belt Conference Youth Player Development Award, and in 2022, he won several, uh, including the uh, East Central Chapter of North Florida PGA Sections Patriot Award, as well as the uh, East Central Chapter of North Florida PGA Sections Youth Player Development Award. Uh, and he was also a former director of the Golf Digest School. So, gentlemen, welcome to the Coach's Corner panel here on Golf Talk Live. Thank you, Ted. All right, I appreciate it, guys. And Jim, welcome to the show. It's uh, first time for you, and uh, especially first time on the panel. And you're going to be joining me, I know, a little bit later this season for uh, an exclusive interview, and we're looking forward to that as well. But uh, welcome to the panel. Thank you, Ted. It's exciting to be a part of the panel. I'm looking forward to uh, uh, engaging in the panel. And uh, also, thank you. Uh, uh, Jim also just recently put in a, a great tip that's going to be coming up in an upcoming issue of Golf Tips Magazine. 
uh, here in probably about a month's time. We're just getting everything put together for our May-June issue, uh, which will be coming out in a few weeks. We're just doing the final touches to it. So uh, we're looking forward to sharing that with uh, that audience as well. So, uh, again, appreciate your, your contribution. Look forward to many more as we move down the road. All right, guys, we're going to focus tonight. John, of course, I'm going to start with you. Uh, we're going to start on a, it's actually an article that I put together for the March-April issue of Golf Tips Magazine called Master Your Game, uh, Becoming the Best Player You Can Be. And this week, uh, we're going to continue the discussion uh, on that series, if you will, uh, and we're going to focus really on two factors of the game, the mind and emotional game. Uh, so we want to essentially tackle the golfing mindset and emotions, sort of helping you find your... And there's some characteristics, I think, that are designed to help you find your optimal mindset or mental and emotional state. And although you may not play like a top athlete, you can certainly learn from them. So, John, we're going to pare down on, on a few of these here, and I'm going to start with you, as I mentioned. So here's some of the mental and emotional keys or mind uh, game keys, if you will, that top athletes work on that can certainly help some of our listeners out there. The first one is performing as if you're on autopilot. So if you ever watch some of the top athletes, they typically perform at their peak when fully absorbed in what they are doing with little or no conscious uh, thought uh, during their performance. So the takeaway that I really want to express here for, for our listeners is your performance should feel effortless instead of trying to overpower or force shots. Maybe you could expand a little bit on that and just really sort of dial down on what we're talking about here. Sure. First, thanks again for the opportunity this season, Ted, to be part of the panel. Always a lot of fun. And uh, Jim Endicott, a good friend of mine, welcome. You're going to have a lot of fun being part of this and looking forward to a good discussion this evening. Autopilot, that's a, there's a lot of different autopilots that go on in, in somebody's life, such as the way you breathe and the, and the way you do things just habitually. Uh, I think what you're trying to convey to listeners is real simple, that as you're playing, you shouldn't feel like it's anything out of the ordinary, that it's a pretty ordinary day, it's a pretty ordinary round, regardless of what the round may mean. And you're doing some pretty ordinary things. You're not necessarily overstressing yourself, trying to put yourself in an overpressurized situation. That's tough to do the first time out. I can remember several times throughout my life and career being faced with a first time experiencing something. And it's really hard to go on autopilot that way. But after you've done things a lot over a period of time, when that mundaneness set in, sets in, you're actually on autopilot. So when it comes to handling pressure, when it comes to handling the smallest of pressures, how much can you get into a process? How much can you get into a rhythm and routine that allows you to feel very much like you're on autopilot, like there is nothing really out of the ordinary, even though there is, with what you're doing. Uh, the more you can calm yourself that way, the more you can regulate your heartbeat that way, the more you can regulate your emotions and keep those in check so you can just go about your business, normally that's when your best performances happen. And I think the best way to sum it up is when you hear an announcer talk about any athlete and how the game is slowed down for them. That's another way of saying they're on autopilot that 
the initial pressures, the initial newness, the, the honeymoon per se is over, and they've gotten into a routine that allows them to feel like the game isn't moving so fast. That 18 holes, even though it was played in four and a half hours, felt like it was played in five minutes. Uh, yeah, it felt like four and a half hours, and it felt like uh, I enjoyed every shot. And I think that's an easy way for the common golfer, the average golfer, to understand, hey, here's autopilot for you. It should feel like it's just another day for you. Well said. And, and you know, the, the idea typically, uh, John, is is really we're not trying to, and I'm referring to, of course, uh, listeners out here, is you don't want to control or micromanage everything out in the golf course. The key word is really effortless. You want to feel, you know, certainly you're going to be stymied, uh, you know, throughout your round with some difficult situations, but you don't want to try to overpower or muscle the shots. You want to just let things sort of naturally uh, happen, as I said, effortlessly. Uh, and that's where... You know, you hear a lot of the top athletes, they kind of get into that zone. You've heard them talk about, well, that's essentially what the same thing is. What they're doing is they're putting it in autopilot. They're comfortable with their swing. They're comfortable how they're playing. And they're not really overthinking the process. So uh, that's really what we're talking about here. And and well done, John. Um, Jim, I'm going to give you an opportunity as well if you want to add anything to that. But your question I've got here is on the next part of it, and that is to be focused in the moment. So Typically, athletes perform their best when they're not overanalyzing how they play or overthinking their technique or really actually worrying about outcomes and mentally replaying every mistake they have made during the round. So the takeaway here uh, is this requires you to be present in the moment and have full trust in your ability to make quality shots. Um, So you're welcome to if you want to add anything to what John talked about or if you feel that he uh, covered everything. But that's essentially what I want you to, to talk about a little bit here, if you wouldn't mind, is staying focused in the moment. Well, thank you, Ted. Uh, yes, uh, I think John uh, really touched on the autopilot segment, and, and it kind of segues into what you're saying here regarding technical. Uh, it's so easy that when we hit an indifferent shot and we get ourselves into some trouble, to want to immediately go to why did I hit that shot? What caused that? What's the technical aspect of it? Well, in actual fact, what we need to do is stay more in the presence of the shot, picture of the shot. What do I need to do to execute each shot? And I guess that also kind of talks to the autopilot where you have a process. You look at the lie. You then check your distance. You then factor in the things that uh, could influence the distance. Is it uphill, downhill? Is it into the wind? And and you get into this routine of each and every shot has the same process of obtaining the decision of what to do, the picture of what to do, and then going ahead and doing that, doing the picture. I, I listened to a thing with Tiger once, and he talked about how he simply vision, visualizes the shot, feels the shot, and then creates it. Uh, and so it takes you away from the, the technical aspects. And then if you happen to hit a, a shot that maybe isn't what you planned, uh, it's so easy to want to go back to the technical aspects on the next shot and think about that while executing it, but what I like to have players do is what I'll call a post-shot routine. So they've hit their shot, they've, they've gone through their process, 
they've pictured what they wanted to do and it didn't quite perform what they wanted, they understand what caused that. They take a rehearsal swing prior to putting the club in the bag of potentially the fix, and now the technical aspect is gone. So when they get to the next shot, they're focused again on that process of how do I execute the picture that I see on this shot. Well said, uh, and, and some great points, uh, Jim. I appreciate that. You know, I'm glad you actually raised, uh, you know, uh, Tiger. Um, you know, Nicholas I'll throw in there as well. You know, certainly um, many consider him to be one of the greatest um, players of, of all time. Uh, Tiger certainly is right there with him. The one thing that they both had a very strong ability was to block out distractions, and they were able to be in that moment. Whatever shot was at hand, um, didn't matter what happened before, that shot was gone. They're in the particular moment at hand, and they had the ability to really assess the next shot that they needed to take, and they had the ability really to, uh, you know, be blind or potentially um, remove any distra- outside distractions, uh, you know, certainly to the best of their ability, and they were both very good at it. So, again, being focused in the moment, you you want to be able to, just think about the shot at hand and not worry about any past shots. Don't worry about, you know, three holes ahead. Just focus on the shot you need to take right now. And you raised some very, very good points that hopefully will help some of our listeners out there. Um, John, I'm going to pivot back to you. Uh, this one here is sort of, again, they all sort of segue into one another. Being in control of emotions is the next one. Uh, top athletes perform optimally when they uh, take charge of their emotions instead of allowing emotions to dictate their level of play. And for the amateur or average golfer to perform at their peak, they need to have a clear, non-judgmental mind. Uh, And this type of quiet mind helps you to keep off uh, that emotional roller coaster. The takeaway here is being able to manage your emotions can be a real game changer, and that results in more consistent scoring. So, uh, you know, I know that sort of touches a lot of the points. Uh, Give us an idea here. This is a, a crucial part of the game as well that a lot of people overlook is emotionally how you handle yourself out in the golf course. Go ahead, John. Sure. So I've worked with a lot of sports psychologists throughout my lifetime playing soccer until I was 20 and golf ever since then. And one of the things people have to recognize when a sports psychologist talking about emotions is there is a need to emote, E-M-O-T-E. But when you over-emote, that's typically when things get out of hand. My father used to tell me in a very simplistic way, you don't want your highs too high and your lows too low. It's it's really hard to ride that roller coaster when you're trying to be successful at something. I think that the statement you said as far as keeping your emotions in check, it, it goes without saying it's not only golf, it's it's life, it's business, it's all the other things that you're part of. So you can borrow from some of these things that you do personally, professionally, the same things that help you keep your emotions in check in those situations can be massive tools on the golf course. You're still the same person simply because you're in a different arena. You're on the golf course, you're outdoors, you're away from personal things or professional things. doesn't mean you change and metamorphosize from Dr. Jekyll into Mr. Hyde. The things that work for you off the course will work for you on the course when it comes to controlling your emotions, breathing techniques, tapping techniques, 
uh, TM techniques. I can keep listing them. Bottom line is, as you said, keeping your emotions in check provides you the opportunity to be more successful because when those emotions take you over, your ability to rationalize becomes sacrificed to a certain extent. And then based on the pressure you're placing on yourself, the emotions heighten that pressure. They make them, make the pressure more acute, potentially to the point where it overwhelms you. And at some point, you just sort of throw your hands up, feeling so overwhelmed, you let the situation handle you versus you handle the situation. And that's typically when emotions have gotten totally out of hand. It's, it's something that you have to work out. It's something you have to experience in each given situation. And the pre-shot and the post-shot evaluation that Jim just spoke about is a great way to compartmentalize emotions. You're able to wrap yep. it up in a bud and leave it there and be able to walk and or ride to your next shot, hoping that you left most of the emotion back where it first occurred. So you can then be more rational, make better decisions going forward. Again, it's think of the things that you do off the golf course. You'll be very surprised if you utilize some of those tools that you learned off the golf course, on the golf course to control your emotions. Don't be surprised if it allows you to make better decisions, that it lowers your score, not significantly, but enough to where maybe you're getting close to a scoring goal or maybe you're getting close to a statistical goal simply because emotional decisions are not getting in the way of the practical decisions. Uh, I couldn't agree more. Well said. And, and you know, again, part of being in control of emotions is not reflecting during your round. Certainly you can reflect later on if you've had some bad shots or even bad holes. You can certainly make a note of them. Um, as you go along and, and deal with them after and, and, and focus on some of the problems that may have arisen uh, during that round. But you want to not drag that. As I've always said, um, you know, you don't want to feel like you're dragging baggage, uh, you know, down the terminal of an airport. Um, you know, that's the feeling that a lot of people have is they're bringing baggage from past holes, past rounds, or even past seasons. Um, they, you know, controlling your emotions. And, and the one thing that we can really take away from professionals is the fact that, uh, you know, for the most part, certainly they have their moments too, but they're very in control of those emotions. Uh, certainly they've had their fair share of bad uh, misfortunes and whatnot along the way, but they're very capable of sort of, you know, circling the, the, the wagon and getting back on track and not focusing on that. And if they've had some issues, um, you know, uh, that are physical issues in the game where they're maybe not hitting the ball as solid, they'll deal with that afterwards on the range or, uh, you know, the next time that they go out and practice a little bit. Um, but, you know, a, a lot of our amateur golfers tend to bring that out in the golf course with them, and it just affects how they play. It affects their emotions. And what could start off as a good round after a bad hole or two suddenly just comes off the rails. So it's very important to be in control of those emotions. And I think if you do some of the things that John just mentioned, uh, you're certainly going to be well on your way to uh, having successful and enjoyable uh, experience, And that's what we're going to talk about with you, Jim, right now is enjoying the experience. Um, peak performers, um, they love to be competitive. Uh, they enjoy the, the competition. They love getting out there and, and, and uh, you know, showcasing the best. 
Um, but many of our amateur golfers look at playing in tournaments as uh, somewhat of a chore or even appear as they're having a painful mental experience while they're on the golf course. So the takeaway here is I think maintaining a positive attitude toward an event uh, will help shape how you feel about the event. So really what I, I'd like for you to maybe expand a little bit here, Jim, is uh, obviously we want to have fun, um, but what can we do mentally to prepare for that event so that we're not overwhelmed with not only emotions, but we're actually enjoying it and not looking at it as, uh, you know, something, oh, you know, I'm, I'm going to go out here and I'm going to make a fool of myself or I'm not going to play well. What can we do to make it a more enjoyable experience? Well, I think uh, the, uh, the bottom line, we have to remember we're playing a game. And games are intended to be fun. And when you listen to uh, players that are at the top of their game, the best they are, uh, the guys who are playing this week at the players, they're having fun out there. Uh, they're enjoying the moment. They're enjoying the competition of executing each shot. That drives them and, and fulfills them uh, in the joy of the game. And they realize, and they're there to have a challenge, and they realize that uh, the challenge is a big part of why they're there as well. And so when they get into an indifferent situation perhaps they drove it into the trees they look at that not as a a failure uh either the shot they just hit or what they're going to do but they look at it as here's another challenge and i like a challenge i enjoy a challenge a challenge is fun to overcome and so i'm going to go through my process to overcome this and show uh, anybody that i'm playing with that uh, I can achieve this. Uh, I talked to some of my competitor play, competitive players, and if they've hit an indifferent shot, uh, perhaps they hit it, like I just said, off into the trees, and their competitor in their group drove it straight down the middle of the fairway. I tell them, you know, you are in an advantage. Uh, even though you're in the trees, if you go and you make par on this hole, You've gotten in that other player's head, and they're going to wonder, how am I going to beat this one? And that's what you want when you're out there playing. You want to get your best score, and you want to enjoy it from from overcoming any any of the challenges that are in front of you. Yeah, well said. And, and, you know, this is something, too, guys, that a lot of players fall into this trap, is they assume just because they hit, you know, maybe a less desirable tee shot, um, ending up in the trees or ending up in, in some rough, that suddenly that's a bad hole. You know, they have to learn to look at it as a learning experience as well and seize the opportunity. You know, the, the, the round's not over yet. This hole's not even over yet. Um, we have to go back to what we talked about, again, the emotions and also being in the moment. So, okay, now you're faced with that challenge. What do you need to do? And obviously, as you become a more experienced golfer, uh, these things come a little bit more uh, you know, uh, quickly and a little easier for you. Um, for some newer golfers, there may be, you know, it's more of a, 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 a difficult challenge. But to to really enjoy the experience, you've got to not allow yourself to go down that path that just because the shot didn't come off the way you want doesn't mean that you're now faced with uh, a terrible opportunity. Um, you have to look at it as a positive opportunity. And 
I think, you know, for players that, um, you know, maybe are not uh, great ball strikers and they're playing in an upcoming corporate event or what have you, um, you know, obviously you want to do this well in advance, but, you know, get out and, and work with a professional and say, look, I'm, I've got a, a corporate event coming up in a couple of months. You know, are there some things that we can work on to tighten my game up? Um, don't wait till the week before the event and get out there and, uh, you know, and say, well, can you suddenly tweak my game so I don't look, you know, foolish out on the golf course? Well, that's just not going to happen. Um, and right. you're not allowing yourself, right? You're not allowing yourself enough time. So um, I think the takeaway, as I said, maintaining a positive attitude towards the event uh, and doing your due diligence well in advance of the event um, to, you know, make the changes if necessary or certainly do things that are going to help be, uh, make you a little bit better uh, player out there. You know, I, I just want to add one real quick thing, and then we're going to move on to, to the next point. Um, you know, I had a, an interesting call today from one of the subscribers uh, from Golf Tips Magazine, and uh, it was in conjunction to an article that I did um, in last uh, the last issue, and it talked about tempo and timing. What was really interesting about our conversation uh, this afternoon was that he, he really appreciated it. It was specifically on tempo and timing that I, I added uh, at the end of the, the article, and he said, you know, for years he's been reading a lot of different things, and he said it was one of the most um, sort of pared-down article that he had ever written. And I'm not saying this to pat myself on the back. I'm saying it for a purpose, and that is it's never too late for a learning experience. And this gentleman is in his 70s, so he's been playing for many, many years, 50-something years, I think he said, and he still is learning this game. So it doesn't matter what level you're at and where you're starting, um, he's still out there enjoying this game, and he's receptive to learning new and enjoying those experiences. And that's what we've got to make sure when we're teaching these uh, folks out there is that they're enjoying it, having fun, but at the same time, they're learning things along the way. If they get bored or get frustrated too often, that's when they're going to start dropping out of the game. So just something I just wanted to add. It was very nice to hear that from him. Obviously, it made me feel good, but um, it just goes to show you that no matter what age, um, they're still out there uh, trying to do battle out in the golf course, and he's enjoying it even that much more now as a result of that article. So I was just wanted to share that. All right, John, I'm going to come back to Ted, you. And actually, this particular one – I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Could I could I throw one other thing in while we're on the topic of enjoying it out there? And, and it just came to mind as you were talking there. Uh, Walter Hagen yep. once said that uh, he figures he's going to hit uh, in his mind, he was going to hit seven indifferent shots on the golf course. And when he did or he had a bad hole, he knew that that was just simply one of the seven. And it didn't let it, it – it gave him an out of not letting that thing bother him. And to understand that someone goes out and has a bad hole, that's not what ruins the round. It's holding on to that – and continuing to think about that bad hole. Uh, mm -hmm. Rory won the FedEx after making triple to open the, open the tournament. So we can uh, we can put those behind us and move forward. Yeah, exactly. Well said, Jim. Um, you know, and, and that's really the point we're, you know, that we're trying to make here is the fact that bad shots are going to happen to everybody. Even the best of the best are going to have their fair share. Um, the difference is how you handle them. Um, is what actually makes the difference. And the reason why they're where they are and the rest of the golfers out there are where they are is because they've learned and addressed these issues that we've talked about here so far um, along the way. 
and have become uh, much better and more successful at uh, achieving these things, whether it be their emotions, whether it be uh, being in the moment and, and some of the other things we talked about. And that's why they're, they're able to get out there week in, week out and do battle uh, on the golf course. Uh, John, as I mentioned, I'm going to come to you, but Jim, I'm also going to let you uh, have an opportunity as well to, to add your thoughts uh, after John. Uh, this one here is building confidence, uh, which arises from all of the above. Um, again, top peak performers know they have the ability to produce optimal results across a wide range of circumstances, and it's certainly essential for uh, all golfers to man- maintain positive beliefs and thoughts during the round of golf, no matter what happened during the shots leading up to the current shot, which is what we really just talked about. The takeaway here is be focused on the task at hand. As we mentioned, don't allow negative thoughts about your round to continue to creep in, and you'll have plenty of time to grade your performance after the tournament is over or after the event is over. So, John, you know, maybe you can talk about some ways that uh, will help the golfer to build some confidence um, as they lead up to the round and maybe during the the, uh, tournament that they can do to, to sort of boost their confidence a little bit while they're out there. Sure, and I think this past weekend's uh, Arnold Palmer Invitational with Kurt Kitiana uh, winning the way he did, triple bogeying nine Sunday, double bogeying a whole Saturday. I mean, that's unheard of. When we're talking about dealing with adversity, letting a little of emotion out, uh, it, that's a really good example of all this. Um, from the standpoint of view of, building confidence prior, I think if you look at him and he's been playing for him very well for a long period of time, and what he's allowed himself to do is remember the positive things he's doing. He catalogs the not-so-good things, the indifferent things, as Jim had mentioned, uh, and learns from them and has always got a fight for the future, not necessarily for the past. And the amount of times he's been a runner-up over the past year or so has really been able to build that kind of confidence for him. I think the average amateur can look at it as not necessarily a round or a tournament at a time, but actually a shot at a time, a task at a time. Hey, I made a great decision there. I may not have performed it well, but I picked the right club. I hit it the right distance. It felt good on the golf club. Uh, it was a little bit right. Maybe I was aimed that way, or maybe I left the face open a little bit, but that's okay. The, here's all these check marks in the positive column, only a couple in the negative column. And, uh, again, I like the word indifferent column versus negative. And that indifferent column you're trying to put in the learning column. When, when I try to help my clients out, what did you learn from that? How can you catalog that experience in the filing cabin of, of your brain so when you need to pull upon that in the future, you've got that experience to, to guide you through? When you're talking about overcoming the adversity in the middle of a round, again, I go back to a double Saturday, a triple Sunday, the odds of a PGA Tour player winning a tournament doing that is astronomical. But I think mm-hmm. what you saw in him was he knew he played the backside better than the front. He knew he struggled with the holes on the front. 
He knew that there were pin positions, there were T positions. The holes just set up for his eye better on the back, and that if he could just sort of get through the front with as little damage as possible, that he could have a chance. And, and everybody counted him out after the ninth hole Sunday, but yet there he was on 18, wonderfully hitting a long, difficult putt to as close as he did. Uh, if that doesn't elude confidence and the manner in which he held himself throughout the back nine, I'm not sure what else he could put in Webster's Dictionary as a picture of confidence. You never saw him waver. You saw him keep with his routine. And you saw, you saw him dig into that memory bank of confidence, that memory bank of good memories from the three previous rounds on the back side that, <clears throat> he was sort of on that autopilot back there. He was comfortable. He was doing the things he knew he could do. And he knew he was through his adversity and he, and he handled the rest of that back nine just brilliantly. I mean, again, the, the odds of him doing that are astronomical, but when you're talking about confidence, you never saw his face waver, his body waver. The, the nonverbal was right there saying, look, one thing went bad. Uh, it's okay. I've got the back nine. The back nine is going to help me out. You can see that as you made the turn. Yeah, it, it, you know, and there, there's so many takeaways from from that experience, um, Jim. That I think really a lot of our amateur golfers could take away. John's, you know, obviously laid out, uh, you know, quite eloquently uh, many of them. So I want to put a little bit of a different uh, twist to the question, which I uh, often do. John can, can verify because um, I don't want you just to sort of, you know, repeat the same thing. Uh, but, you know, taking a, a you know, a, let's say a higher handicap golfer who has come into a tournament, into an event, you know, is feeling pretty good and all of a sudden the wheels fall off the bus. What do you say to them? Um, if you were in their head, what would the conversation be to get them back? What would be the, you know, the, the, the steps that you would take to get them back on track and hopefully be able to help them rebuild some of that confidence? Because that's, you know, again, as you know, John was talking about the player this past weekend, you know, that's something that's unheard of, um, you know, at that level. It's, it's certainly very common in the re- for the rest of us out there, but for somebody in that level. But for an everyday golfer out there that's maybe lost a little bit of their confidence, what's that conversation you're going to have if you were in their head? And you're speaking of their confidence. Uh, The wheels are coming off during the round is what we're looking at. How would we get them back on track now? Well, if I were their caddy, uh, put it from that perspective, so I am able to be walking along and talking with them. Uh, We talk Mm -hmm. a little bit about what's in front of us. Uh, particularly if it's a golf course that we have played uh, multiple times. We would talk about the positives we've had in the past going forward. Uh, Oftentimes I'll talk to a player as they prepare for a round. uh, And, and again, we're talking of a higher handicap player. And I would ask them the question, have you made a par on each of the holes on this golf course at some point in your life? And if they say they would be able to say, yes, let's take them as a bogey golfer. They've been able to make a par on every single hole going forward. So we have the opportunity in front of us 
to do the same. And so we're going in reflection of what's good ahead of us, not what's happened behind us. Uh, And then I would get them to focus in on that routine as we talked earlier tonight of let's go through the process. If we can stay in the process of what we need to do and what the picture of the shot looks like, and again, I'm taking them away from being in technical aspects because that's usually the first place the higher handicapper goes is I've hit some in different shots, so I've got to fix my golf swing. We don't fix our golf right. swing there. We're going to take what we have, and we're going to see a picture. It's much like throwing a ball if we were playing catch. We don't think about how we do that. We throw it at that mitt and the person on the other side. And so we take our game of golf and put it in that perspective. How do I move this ball to a place that I can hit a good one next time? And if we get in that process, what can I hit here to a place that gives me a chance to hit a good one next time? They start seeing good shots. They may be a little bit conservative. They see good shots, and good shots breed good shots, and good shots breed confidence in the situation. And so we don't take those risks. Uh, We're a long ways away. I'll use the example of a player is their three-wood distance to the hole. And they feel like they've got to hit this so that they can get it up there and make their par. Well, I would help them by thinking, if we hit that three-wood, how many times out of ten am I going to knock that on the green? And they might say to us, one or two. Well, that means that there's eight or nine shots out of ten that are not going to be on the green. So this is a two-shot situation. If we were a three-wood distance from the hole, I've never seen a player that couldn't hit two nine-irons that distance. They got a good chance of hitting something that looks good, feels good, and then they hit a couple of those. They're on their green. They two-putt. They get their bogey. And off they go, and now we just built some confidence back. And I think to uh, piggyback on what John talked about, confidence is built from reflection. You reflect over Mm -hmm. your round of what was good, not what was bad, particularly within a tournament. What was good, especially the day of. Don't think about what you need to work on until the next day, because going back to what we talked about earlier tonight, the emotions are playing with you when you walk off that golf course. And don't let the emotions cloud your judgment of what you did. Think about what was good. They don't typically cloud the good. They do get in the way of the bad and make the bad seem even worse. So think about what's good as they finish the round. And then the next day, consider what they need to work on. And I always like to look at it that way. It wasn't what I did poorly. It's what I need to improve on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well said, and uh, I think a lot of golfers out there could use you uh, on the bag, so uh, you might want to consider getting into some caddying services a little bit as well, <laughs> besides just the teaching. Um, I think that's some great advice for many of our players out there. And, and you know, just to quickly add, you know, th- this is so true. You know, we, we see so often players fall into that uh, trap. You know, golf is really a sport where many players get consumed by their emotions, whether it be outside distractions affecting them or negative thoughts. 
And uh, these factors can can often make a golfer feel out of control and resulting in, and uh, you know, a couple of different reactions, either giving up and, uh, you know, sort of going through the motions just to finish out that round or forced play, trying harder by adjusting, as you mentioned, Jim, uh, you know, their mechanics or overanalyzing their play. And, you know, if, if they want to be a more optimal mindset uh, player for and, and get, uh, you know, see some results that, and get to that sort of peak performance, it requires them to avoid engaging and overthinking and analyzing while they're playing. And, you know, as we all know, that's easier said than done, right? So, you know, that's something that we want to get people. So we, we've got uh, a little bit of time left, and uh, we, we got through. You guys did a, a great job. We got some time left. So what I want to do is for each of you, John, I'm going to come to you first, and then Jim uh, will keep the same order. What I'd like for you to do, and, and just sort of when I say soft on the points that we've talked about tonight, um, and I'm going to give you two different scenarios. John, I'm going to give you, uh, I'll let you have the choice of either a new student coming in, what you're going to do to, to get them to where we need them to be based on some of the discussion we've had tonight, uh, or certainly if you want somebody that's uh, maybe played a little bit, that's fine. And then, Jim, what I'm going to give you is I'm going to give you a golfer who's played for a number of years, maybe stepped away from the game, and is now coming back for that first time to sort of re-engage. So that's going to be your player that you're going to uh, isolate some of these key points that we talked about tonight. So walk us through the pros. Just a couple of points. You don't have to, uh, you know, give a specific roadmap, but just a generalization of what you're going to do, John, with, uh, you know, one of those players that's just coming for the first time or maybe he's played a little bit, has a little bit of understanding the game. Walk us through some of the points that you're going to do to get them to be the best player that they can be. Um, so go ahead. Sure. I, I'll, I'll hit them both with Jim's help. Jim touched on it for the better player has been around a little bit. Have you parred all these holes before? Have you played these holes before? And what's your best best scores? I mean, to build some confidence and to create a plan that you can feel confident in, that's, that's a fantastic way of doing it. And it's something that I'm, constantly helping my better players understand that they've got this memory bank of good things so long as they don't take it to an extreme and get over emotional about it and use it more as a strategy i would say the vast majority of the time my players are able to use that strategy to their advantage for the new player you've got something on your side that most any other player doesn't have and that's a flip side to the coin your coin's facing heads all the time. You've got nothing but upside. You've got nothing but positive things that you can choose to retain, and that's the operative word. What are you going to choose to retain? Are you going to choose to retain all the negatives and dwell on that? Is that part of your overall DNA makeup outside of golf, but it makes you successful? I'm certainly not going to stand in the way of that. But golf has a way of unduly bringing you more negatives than maybe you deserve. And if you're, if you're like that, you may want to think twice about how do you level that out. But I think most all great golfers start with understanding, can I remember the good things? Can I remember what I did well, no matter how small it was? and build upon that. I'm, I'm constantly telling new players, hey, you, your habits are not bad. They might be a little old, old based on other things you've done, but as far as new memories, 
uh, new things that you can take to the next round or the next shot, you've got an open bank, and it's waiting for a lot of deposits. And the more deposits you make into that bank of positiveness, the better off you're going to be both short and long term. Uh, it's, it's not about how, trying to fix it. Uh, Jim said that earlier. Let's not try to fix it. Let's go play, and let's make the notes of how you played and played well Let's take some notes as to, hey, if you're going to fix it at that particular point, what were you going to fix? Let's bring that to the practice facility to fix it. Let's bring it to a coaching session to fix it. Let me help guide you to understand what positive you may have missed and or the positive you picked up. How can we further detail it for you so you can become your own best friend, your own best coach out there? to talk positively to yourself and not negatively, and to understand that that heads-up coin, it's looking for more heads to join. It's, it's got its tail facing backwards for a reason, and that's because you've got nothing but upside in front of you. Well said. Uh, great analogy and assessment of, of that uh, type of player. So, Jim, as I mentioned, for you, what I'd like you to talk a little bit about, um, and, and obviously I know you're going to touch on some of the same points, but you know now we're looking at a player who's maybe played 30-odd years, um, maybe even more, um, and they've fallen away from the game. Maybe they became frustrated over time. They just didn't see uh, as much improvement as they, they had hoped and uh, just got away from the game out of frustration. And for some reason, whatever the, the cause may be, they've decided to pick up the clubs again and give it another go that person walks into your facility and says, you know, I've been playing for a number of years. Here's my situation. What can we do? Touch on some of the points we talked about tonight, how that they can apply, be applied to help that person get back into, no pun intended, the swing of things. Well, I think one of the the challenges that player uh, faces is their memory. Uh, They played the game for, a period of time and they had a certain skill level and a certain scoring level when they walked away from it. And as they come back, their expectation is likely going to be, well, I should be at the same level when I come back uh, or at least reasonably close to that level. And so we need to make sure that we set their expectations in a proper way. After we've spent a little bit of time on the range, we would have an understanding of how well they'll hit the golf ball. And then as we go out on the golf course, uh, initially I would talk to them about if they have a desire to keep track of a score. First and foremost, count the shots they like. And that keeps them in a positive light. And if they feel the need to also count how many, count both, how many they liked and how Mm -hmm. many they had. And so they may go along and play nine holes and find that they liked 10 shots and they shot 50. And then the next round they may like 15 and they still shot 50. And then they liked 20. And so they're seeing an improvement in the number of shots they like, and it builds some confidence, as we talked about. It keeps their emotions such that, hey, I am getting better, even though perhaps 
my overall score isn't going down. And then at some point, we would establish a personal PAR. And keep in mind that PAR is based on two putts on a hole. And so we would take a player of this caliber and say, okay, we're going to have bogey as our PAR. And so let's say it's a PAR four hole, and that PAR four now is going to be a PAR five for us. And that gives us three hits to get there. And let's say this hole is 300. And 30 yards. Well, based on us having two putts, that means I get three to get to the green. I have to hit three shots of 110 yards. And so they could do that and have success with perhaps their wedger nine iron three times, get it on, two putt, make their bogey. And then they would change that into maybe keying off with five iron, and then they could probably get to the green with something seven iron or so. And then they would build on up. And so we would gradually get them to uh, hit their target scores and uh, keep their confidence level up by having them hit shots that they feel that they can be successful with. If we look at what golf is, golf is a matter of hitting a ball a certain distance at a target. And note I said a certain distance, not necessarily a maximum distance, because we're trying to get the best score on every hole. And certainly a six is better than a seven. So we want to go about it to have good shots, have fun, build confidence, get them reengaged, and then we can really go after trying to find that lower score or meet their target score. You know, that's really a great way that you've laid that out because, uh, again, sort of redefining par for them at that particular moment, um, and, and also, you know, not trying to produce results that are not realistic for them and for their game at that, again, particular time, being realistic in their expectations. You know, quite often, even with newer players, um, you know, they see others out there and they think, okay, well, I need to do this as well. And I think, you know, sort of taking, you know, maybe using the term baby steps a little bit, even for a player that's played for a number of years, again, as you pointed out, Jim, coming back, uh, a lot of times they think, well, I can, you know, I might be a little rusty, but I can pick up where I left off. And you'd be surprised if you haven't played for a number of years, you know, certainly some things might come back, but it takes a while and it's a process. And, you know, the old saying, Rome wasn't built in a day. So I, I think by taking the steps that you laid out there, I think is a great way, not only for newer golfers, but uh, particularly for golfers that have, maybe stepped away from the game is, is without having to necessarily reinvent the wheel. A lot of times we see where some drastic changes are made right away and that just adds to the frustration. So I kind of like how you laid that out. I think it's a, a great plan, uh, especially for that uh, type of golfer. And uh, again, as you said, it, it, it helps uh, keep their emotions in check. It helps them build confidence and gets them in a routine or pattern uh, of success that's going to, bid them, you know, bear out well over, over time. Uh, and hopefully they will continue to have fun. And I believe they will. Um, so that's a, a great answer. And uh, I love some of the points that you, uh, that you made out. Um, as we get ready to wind down here, um, I'm going to give each of you uh, a, a few moments. If you want to let the folks know the best way, if they want to reach out to you, if they uh, maybe have some questions or they want to uh, maybe come and see you at some point uh, and, uh, you know, for some lessons, 
Uh, and if you have anything specific that you'd like to plug, uh, by all means, go ahead. John, I'm going to uh, keep, in, again, the order. You go ahead first, and then Jim. Sure. First, uh, Jim, wonderful job first time out. Uh, rookie rookie nerves are, are not there. Uh, always fantastic to be talking to you as well and looking forward to more in the future, both with Ted and around the North Florida area. I want to remind everybody that you can find me very easily. John Hughes Golf, put a hashtag, an ampersand sign in front, whatever it happens to be. And that's where you can find me. I'm at Falcons Fire Golf Club in Kissimmee, Florida. Mm-hmm. Busy right now in the middle of the season. We are still selling spots to visit me at Macklemore in May and June. You want to visit MacklemoreGolfSchool.com to do that. And last but not least, I'll, and this is something Ted probably forgot about or didn't know about, I want to thank the 1,400-plus men and women of the North Florida PGA is recognizing me as their 2023 Teacher Coach of the Year. It's an honor. It's a standard, believe it or not, that I try to live up to and have the people associated with my team live up to, and I can't thank my team enough for their support for that honor. It is a team award, not just an individual one, and hopefully that shines some uh, positiveness on everybody, not only me and my team, but Jim and the other people here in North Florida that we've got a really deep talent pool here that you can come here and find some really good coaching and improve your game. And I hope you take it, take us up on it. And whether it's me or Jim or any of the others, I, I do hope you visit us here and see what we can do to help you improve your golf skills going forward. And last but not least, Ted, Looking forward to another great season. Uh, marches off with a bang. Was it comes in like a lion and ends like a lamb? For some <laughs> reason, I don't think December is going to be a lamb. So unless we're cooking it, and sitting down with dinner with each other. So I definitely appreciate the opportunity. Always a pleasure. And and yes, I did. I apologize. I did forget, but I've added it to the notes here. So I'll make sure next time to to mention that the uh, teacher and coach of the year. Uh, definitely is an honor and well-deserved. Um, Jim, how about yourself? And again, uh, you know, start off with the best way if folks want to reach out, whether it be an email, a website, or, or all of the above. And uh, if you have anything specific you'd like to plug this evening, uh, by all means, uh, take some take some time to do so. Well, first, I'd like to congratulate John on that award. It's uh, well-deserved, and uh, you put in a lot of work to, to earn that, and uh, you deserve that uh, Teacher of the Year award. Uh, I can be reached at jim at endicottgolf.com and also on my website at royalstcloudacademy.com. And uh, I really look forward to being a part of this panel. And, Ted, I thank you for the opportunity. And um, I'm looking forward to a, a, a great go with the Golf Tips magazine as well as um, the Coach's Corner. So thank you again. Well, I appreciate it. And, John, thank you for You're letting welcome. me be a part of this as well. Yeah, you're quite welcome, uh, Jim. It was glad to have you. And and uh, as, as John pointed out, this was, uh, you know, the first time that you were on. So we won't be as good to you the next time, I promise you that. John and I will make sure we <laughs> give you a hard time. <laughs> so you, you've gotten yeah. your – you've earned your wings. <laughs> 
but no, we're, we're <laughs> appreciative and, and great, great job. Uh, fantastic job, actually. Uh, appreciate it. And, um, and, uh, we look forward to some, uh, future great discussions on the coaches corner panel and definitely some more, uh, thoughtful and, and, uh, interesting articles to, to come, uh, golf tips away. And we look forward to those as well. But both of you, thank you for doing a great job, uh, on this, uh, coaches corner panel. And, uh, again, also congratulations, John, on a, a well-deserved, uh, award. And, uh, it certainly, uh, uh, it, it couldn't have picked a, a better person to receive it for, for 2023. So thanks guys. Have a great weekend and I'll see you both, uh, the next time on Coach's Corner Panel. Have a great one. Thank you. Thanks, Ted. Thanks, Jim. All right. Thank you, John. All right. That was John Hughes and Jim Endicott, uh, joining me on the Coach's Corner Panel segment here on Golf Talk Live. And uh, we're going to take a quick break and hear a message from Golf Tips Magazine. And then we'll be joined by this evening's special guest, uh, Will Carswell from Blue Tees Golf. The following ad is sponsored by Golf Tips Magazine. Are you tired of being short off the tee? And what about those three putts? Forget about it. It's time you got serious about your game. Golf Tips, the most in-depth magazine in the industry. For over 30 years, Golf Tips has delivered expert content such as the latest golf instruction from America's top pros, simple to follow practice and game improvement drills, fitness and mental game tips, equipment, training aids, accessory and apparel reviews, golf destinations and travel tips for every budget, and so much more. Don't miss a single issue. Go to GolfTipsMag.com and subscribe today. All right, welcome back to Golf Talk Live. And uh, as I mentioned, uh, we just wrapped up Coach's Corner, and I'm going to be joined now by my very special guest of the evening, Will Carswell. He's the sales director uh, for Blue Tees Golf. Uh, he's a 24-year golf industry veteran who has worked with such uh, great companies as Yonix and Voice Caddy. And uh, he's here to join me tonight. We're going to talk about what's new and exciting at uh, Blue Tees and uh, maybe talk a little bit about him, how he got uh, interested in the golf industry and a little bit more about his background. So please welcome my very special guest to the show, Will Carswell. Good evening, Will. Thanks for having me, Ted. Hey, good evening. How are you? I'm doing very well. I appreciate it. Thank you for uh, for joining me this evening. So I'm going to start, since I haven't had you on here before, I always like to sort of, uh, you know, dive in and and before we get into some of the other things we're going to talk about is talk a little bit about why golf for you? What what about the game appealed to you? So maybe give us a little bit of your history um, from very early beginnings up until where you are now. Well, um, that's a that's a tough question. Got to think about many many years of uh, going back <laughs> here. Um, but I tell you, I got in the industry in 1998. Um, it was a different industry in 1998, as I'm sure Ted, as you have have experienced, yep. than it is today. Um, but as a pretty much as a 18, 19 year old kid in the golf industry, big um, big sports fan, and for for me to work in, the, in 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 anything in sports, it's like a kid working at, at Toys R Us or at a candy store. You know, it, it was uh, <laughs> it was just a pleasure to be able to to get in and work in sports. Never really played golf in my life until 1998, and I started uh, for at the time uh, one of the most well to this day a very innovative company with Yonex Golf. Uh, you know, pioneering graphite technology started there with their, mm-hmm. with their team in the warehouse and just, uh, just love the industry. Like I said, and picked up the game and, and, and why golf it's just, 
it's a phenomenal game that you could pay, play for a lifetime, um, and it teaches you know a ton of values of uh, in in life in general. And now as a father, as a father, you know you could kind of instill those values uh, in a game or in a sport that they could take long uh, along for the rest of their lives. So it's just uh, you know again, it's sports and it's uh, just a, a, an exciting game that teaches a lot of values in general. Well, and it's also well said. It, it, you know, it's also a game. I think, uh, Will, that a lot of people underestimate. Obviously, it's very challenging, as we all know, um, and can be frustrating at times. Uh, but it can also equally be very rewarding. I mean, you know, I don't know how many, you know, students I've had on the lesson T that, you know, struggled uh, for many, many years playing the game, and yet they keep coming back. And I often ask them, you know, why do you come back? And their answer is, well, you know what, I was on the the practice range last week and hit some bad shots, but then I hit two, three good, real good drives or, you know, really smoked one out there and it just brought me back the weekend after. And I think a lot of people look at golf, even though it's frustrating, there's just something that, uh, and I hate to use the word addictive, but it, it is essentially in a way, especially, you know, it just takes one good hit. And I've had players of all ages and all levels on the tee that um, have said the same thing. So you didn't take the game up uh, until much later. Uh, you said you were around 18 or so when you got into the golf industry. Once you did and, and got a sort of a taste of it and saw some of the things that were going on um, in the industry, you said it was very early. What were some of the things, your earlier uh, recollections at Yonics and then again at Voice Caddy? I want to get into that before we talk about where you are now. Uh, that really caught your eye, what was interesting about that that propelled you to to take things to this to the next step well also ted I'm, I'm a history buff or a history nut so for me that what really made me fall in love with the game as well as the history of golf i mean as anyone and everyone who knows you know an ounce of anything about golf I and mean, we know that the long storied history of the game that goes back you know thousand years or so right and so it's just always mm -hmm. interesting to see um i become a true ben hogan follower. Um, at the time, when I started with the Onyx in 1998, they had Phil Mickelson on their staff, and he was, at the time, four years turned pro, turned pro in 94, you know, and so he was mm -hmm. arguably one of the, the biggest names in golf until Tiger, you know, came along, but still Phil was there and a young guy, and that kind of was an exciting time. Um, you know, back in those days, the, the, the custom fitting aspect was kind of fun because back then it was just nine or ten five regular stiff, right? There wasn't really no other real options at that time in 1998. It's just really cool to see how the game has evolved, not only from from how it's played, but the equipment as well. But again, history. I think you could take a lot of what happened yesterday and yesteryears and look at what the innovative uh, technologies that are happening now. Again, my affinity with Yonex, you know. 100% graphite head at the time, 25, 30 years ago. And look at where we are now with the Stealth 2 right. um, and carbon graphite has kind, of, has kind of come full circle in equipment because now it's just so innovative and gives, you know, the technological freedom for, for, for engineers and such to design products that could kind of fit. And at the end of the day, we're all chasing that extra yard, right? So it's always about that extra, that, that distance and, um, you know, technology and such. I mean, again, those kind of things have always interested me in this industry. Yeah, and I think it's important that you are able to look back like that because I think if you have an understanding of where you've, you've sort of been and where things the industry has been in the past, 
as you move forward, and, and now we're going to talk a little bit about uh, blue tees, as you move forward into uh, a different age, if you will, for this game, it kind of makes it a little bit exciting, especially for a history buff like you that enjoys the history of the game, but to look and reflect back at the many things that have gone on to bring us where we are today. So um, tell us a little bit about the mission of, of Blue Tees, what their essential mission is, and then we're going to get into specific uh, things about the, the company and uh, some of the products that they have. So what's generally the mission that they want to accomplish? Well, and I think there's a lot – that's a great question. I think there's a lot of synergy with what the game has well, – what the golf industry and the, the, the sport of golf, the, the industry of golf, I don't think just in the United States but around the world, since, uh, you know, the pandemic, I think – the game has become a lot more diverse. It's, it's become a lot younger. Uh, you know, that top, top button uh, on, the, uh, on the old uh, dress shirt has kind of been unbuttoned now, so to say. I mean, I'm sure you right. were at the PGA show this year. <laughs> I, I've never yes. seen a younger, more diverse PGA show in my life. Um, this was like my I, – I joke with the guys at Blue Tees because uh, it's a – again, we're a three-year-old company. We're incorporated October 26, 2019, and in three short years, you know, we've – you know, become the number two rangefinder brand in the U.S. And that's been a huge, huge feather in our cap. But where I was getting at, it was, mm-hmm. it's just the game has now become a lot more accessible, if you will. I don't know if that's the right term, but we're try- trying to change right. the way that players, the players see the golf course, right? And that's just n- no pun intended in terms of looking through a, a, a rangefinder or a DMD or a distance measuring device. But the company was the whole – um, you know, birth, if you will, of the company came from our three founders who are still uh, very involved in the company. But um, we have CEO, our, our head lead product designer and, and head of product is still there. And uh, our, you know, uh, head of sales and marketing essentially uh, are still operating the company. But it was just founded on one simple thing is if a, every golfer needs a quality range finder and we shouldn't have to spend $500 for one. And the $100 ones on Amazon yeah. are terrible. So what can we do right, no. to provide more accessibility uh, and, and significant product innovation, but at the same time, value innovation? And that's kind of what we've done. Um, and like I said, in three short years, uh, we've become the number two rangefinder brand in golf. Um, I think we do a lot of things differently and, and modern. Like, like you made a good point earlier about kind of not forgetting your, we use the term internally, uh, blocking and tackling. You know, the fundamentals are not forgetting mm-hmm. where you came from, if you will, to kind of know right. where you're going. And that's kind of what we do. What, what, what we've done, you know, we've looked at what we what we said is, hey, let's let's innovate product number one, uh, and make a premium product at a price that is accessible, uh, and, and at the same time, take the value innovation and that accessibility of uh, of the product and add that. For instance, our S3 Max laser rangefinder, which is our flagship rangefinder, something so simple and so subtle, but goes a long way from consumer value, is in the box of every S3 Max. We have three CR2 batteries in there that we put in there for the, for the consumer. So we're basically not right. only innovating product and performance, but taking that accessibility and value to a whole new level. Uh, and then we have some really cool, cool products. I mean, I, arguably some of the most innovative products that might hit the golf industry this, this year with our new uh, GPS series coming in the summer. Uh, we're extremely excited with that product. So I, that brings me to, to my next question, and is, is Blue Tees is not just about range finders, but actually includes a wide variety of products and accessories. So give us a rundown, um, and obviously if there's some things that aren't quite out yet and you can't sort of let the cat out of the bag speaking, that's fine. We'll get that the next time you come on. But give us a bit of a rundown of, of some of the products uh, in, your, in uh, the Blue Tees line. 
Well, our, our flagship series laser is the S3 Max. Um, it retails at $269, has a slope switch magnet, auto ambient display, which basically imagine like a transition lens for a scope. Um, all the data and numbers will appear red out of the box, which is the most vivid color. But typically in brighter conditions, red um, will get drowned out. So it'll transition, if you will, or the auto ambient um, display will transition and, and show all the data in black until the, op the, the conditions become more optimal to go back to red. And it'll all do this automatically. Uh, so slope switch magnet, auto ambient display. Um, again, we, we, we have it available so really cool in four different colors. Um, has a 900-yard range, so so definitely going to be able to to be a, a product that can be used whether it's a you know entry level uh, player down to a, a touring professional um, flag lock, so where it'll vibrate on capture, and also we have a scan mode, so a ton ton of bells and whistles and features built into this product at a, like I said at a phenomenally accessible price. We also have our S2 Pro Plus slope switch retails at $219. Comes in a couple different colors, 800-yard range, but still has that flag lock where it'll vibrate on capture, but also the scan mode. Then we did, we've done really, really well with our golf lifestyle player speaker. Um, it's more of a, you know, a golf lifestyle speaker, ultimate tailgate speaker, if you will. Um, there's no GPS built in in the player speaker, but you know, sound quality, crisp sound, deep bass, IPX7 waterproof. You can pair two phones to one. Uh, excuse me, two speakers to one device or one phone, which makes it a really cool product to have on the golf course so you don't have to have those dueling playlists where one of your golf carts is listening to George Strait and the other guys listen to Metallica, both great <laughs> artists, but, but not right. the, the, most, the most pleasant thing to hear at the same time. So you could kind of pair two of our speakers with one phone. But then, again, as a, as a lifestyle speaker, imagine you're at home and you're entertaining in the summer and you got one speaker in the house, one outside, everybody's having a good time listening to the same music. It's like I said, IPX7 waterproof. Um, that comes in three different colors. That has been a phenomenal product for us as well. Um, and from an accessory standpoint, this has been really, really a time for us that we've really seen the brand power and just it's amazing. As a 24-year industry veteran, I've never seen a technology brand in this space create so much noise and disrupt the industry as much as I've seen blue tees. And again, I'm talking to you, I mean, you, you said it previously, I was a competitor for the last three years prior to joining the brand. Right. And uh, I've let, I read these golf data tech reports every month and I was always wondering how the heck is this brand that's just literally a toddler in terms of age creating and disrupting yep. um, creating so much noise in this industry. And now I've been a part of the brand for about seven months and, and I can see the innovative ways of, uh, of the product, but also the innovative ways of of how how we do business. Uh, and, and and again, it's just a pleasure to. Be, but going back to like the accessory line, we have a magnetic towel, which is uh, one of the it's the number one selling golf towel at Dick's Sporting Goods and, Go and Golf Galaxy uh, in store in the nation. So that's a, another huge feather in our cap. Wow, it's a waffle towel with a magnet, carabiner clip, and a, a built-in silicone scrub brush and groove cleaner. So little bit all the way down to our smaller accessories that just accent the brand, all the way down to our flagship series. We're just significant innovation, and, and, and it's just amazing to see. And then I can let the cat out of the bag a little bit with our new GPS products that we're <laughs> launching uh, in the summer, um, which for your listeners, they'll, from a consumer and end user level, they'll, they'll probably be the, the first to hear of it here uh, on, on Golf Talk Live. 
um, the Player Plus speaker. We're launching, uh, we're launching two new products in the summer. I don't know if I'm getting ahead of ourselves, if you want me to, um, to slow down there. But um, if no. I may, I'll go no, ahead go and ahead. let that cat out of the bag. So the Player Plus speaker, everything our, player, uh, our user has, has grown to love about the Player speaker uh, is going to be encompassed into this new Player Plus speaker. But now we're going to have a, touch, a glass touchscreen that's going to be incorporated on the actual speaker. Uh, that will be the same type of quality glass on your iPhone or Android device. Um, you're going to be able to swipe, you know, up, uh, just as if it is all, like the, the you're going to be able to swipe up and down and do a lot of different things on this speaker uh, as you will, would on your phone. So at launch, it's going to be powered by the new Blue Tees app, which is going to be a phenomenal app. I've tested it in beta the last two months. Phenomenal. I mean, w- what a great app. I'll get into that one in a sec. But at, at launch, the app's going to have five screens or, or the speaker will have five screens uh, and it's powered by the app. So the first screen will give you like front, back, center. It'll give you an air, um, you know, the par of the hole, the handicap of the hole, uh, and the hole number. You're going to be able to swipe left uh, or right, um, and your next screen you're going to see is an aerial view of a hole with yardages to hazards. Swipe left again, you'll be able to see an aerial view of the hole with yardages to uh, – the, the, the third screen actually will be a shot measurement screen. You'll be able to touch a button on the device to indicate to it to start initiate uh, measurement. Hit your shot, hopefully end up in the middle of the fairway. Hit that button again, and it'll tell you how far you hit the ball from point A to point B. You'll be able to keep your score on the device uh, and track putts during your round. Um, you'll be able to archive scores within the app and do advanced stats. Uh, and then my favorite screen, the fifth screen at launch, will be your home screen, date, time, artist, song, title. You'll, you'll be able to skip songs, pause your music. It's just going to be one of the most innovative uh, GPS speaker to ever launch. Uh, I've been telling everybody it's the Cadillac of golf GPS speakers, uh, and it's launching in June. Uh, it's going to have a retail price of $199.99. Uh, so from an ex- again going into that value innovation and accessibility, the product uh, is definitely going to be that. And to accompany it, we'll also have a uh, GPS handheld, which we'll call the Ringer, which will be an out of the box GPS device. So it will not require any integration of the app. So it will accommodate that player, let's say, that maybe has a shaky hand and doesn't typically use the laser, but also it will accommodate that older player that maybe still owns a flip phone that that really can't download an app because it's an out-of-the-box GPS device. But you can also choose to integrate the app with the Ringer, so it will also accommodate that um, high-tech gadget player as well. So anyone on both sides of those spectrums and and anyone in between, everything I told you kind of about those – Screens on the Player Plus are going to be incorporated in the Player. I'm mean, excuse me, in the Ringer, uh, and both of them are going to have access to 41,000 courses uh, in our database. Wow. We partnered one with one of the largest GPS providers in golf. Uh, they'll both be available in two colorways. Obviously, they'll both have magnets. Uh, we're just extremely happy for both of these products. They'll both have a retail price of 199.99, <laughs> and then the app that we're launching to to power these devices uh, will be 100% free iPhone, Android, and the real big thing uh, that we're happy about is um, it's going to be, ex- again, accessibility. Um, it's open to anyone and everyone. So you could be someone that doesn't even own a Blue Tees device or a golf device, but you'll have access to using GPS on your phone with our app. Or you could be even be using a, a competitor's product, and maybe you still love the, our app. Uh, it's just going to be open to anyone and everyone. Um, so we're extremely excited with that. That's the next chapter in the evolution of Blue Tees as a brand. Like I said, we're only a th- little over three years old. I tell a lot of our guys and a lot of our customers and, and any, honestly anyone that will listen is 
it's almost like if the Wright brothers built an airplane while this thing was flying, how fast this brand has grown. And, and I'm just extremely excited and, 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 and proud to be a part of it. And, and I mean, it, it sounds fantastic. I can't wait to see uh, the, the two new additions to, uh, to your product line um, this summer. What, what's, I think when I listened to what you were saying, and obviously very passionately, you guys obviously pay attention to your market. And this is how, and, and I can guarantee you, um, because, you know, there is so much technology, there is so much new products coming out, as you saw. I did, and Yes, I did answer your earlier uh, comment uh, about going to the PGA show. I definitely did, and uh, it just blows me away. I hadn't been for a couple of years because of, obviously, the pandemic, um, and this was the first year back. And you're, you're exactly right in your analogy. Uh, it was an, like an entirely different generation uh, coming in, which is, which is very exciting in a lot of ways. Um, because it brings new innovation. But for you guys to get where you are, to get to the number two spot in three years, says a lot about the fact that it's not just about the products, but it's the fact that you're listening to your um, your customers. They're telling you what they like, what they want, um, and you're adapting accordingly. And that's important for any business today to, to be able to reach out uh, to their – I mean – you know, a lot of companies do the opposite where they come out and say, okay, here's what we're going to put out and hopefully everybody will like it. Um, you guys are kind of doing the opposite. If I, if I am hearing you correctly uh, in, in what you're talking about is the fact that you're really dialing into, okay, what is it that the, the, the customer is looking for? What experience? While at the same time being respectful of the fact that, one, it has to be inclusive, but also it has to be affordable. And there's a lot of great products, don't get me wrong, out there but there's some stuff out there that's just out of everybody's price range um, or certainly a, a lot of people's price range. So you guys are really hitting and ticking a lot of those boxes that the newer golfers coming into, especially the ones coming in from, uh, you know, uh, the, the rise, if you will, through the pandemic, you guys are really ticking a lot of those boxes and you certainly should be proud of that. Um, did I hit it uh, on the head? I think you did. I think you did, Ted. And, and I think, again, in 2023, and obviously we're in, we were a company that just, you know, literally was established five months before the pandemic. And to be quite honest, I mean, as you you know this uh, as a yep. teaching professional as well and being in this golf industry is for the first few weeks, I mean, I'm in California, so it was a lot, things were yep. a lot more dire here than they were in other parts of the country. But for the first couple right. of weeks... I mean, it was it was a scary situation in our I mean in, in our in the world, right? And so only if we right. knew then what we knew now, right? Everything was right. the, the stress levels and such would have been alleviated. And that's kind of where the company and that's where I'll kind of bring this back to the where the direct to consumer brand, but really to, to 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 drill down even further about the golf professional and the green grass support and the PGA professionals and all the teaching pros around the country. That's where we've really um, made our hay, if you will, is the support of the teaching professional and the facilities around the country, whether they be off course or on course, um, you know, green grass, if you will, locations, is, is being able to look at it and say, at the end of the day, we do need to have a product like this for our customer, because that's what we've been trying to evangelize, if you will, of saying, there's one brand out there that owns 99% of the tour, but you know what? The guys that are playing daily fee golf courses aren't tour players. They want right, exactly. access to similar data without having to spend $600. And that's, 
kind of where we've started, but also uh, the partnership mm-hmm. that we've had with golf professionals and retail shops around the country as well as, as they're helping us convey that message to the consumer. Because at the end of the day, you're 100% right. We have to listen to what the consumer wants. And I think the consumer definitely wants quality product at, um, at prices that are much more accessible. Um, are, are much more valuable. So, yeah, I, could, yeah, I don't think and you I could think, have said it any better than how you said it. Yeah, and I think what we've noticed, too, as teacher professionals is the and, – and it happens in, in, with lessons as well – is the, the consumers now, the younger generation coming up, whether you, know, you want to call them millennial, Gen Z, what have you, um, are, are much more savvy when it comes to – the cost of things. They look at things and they say, hey, you know, I can get this for this, so why do I want to pay that? And, you know, at, at first, you know, a lot of people probably scratched their head and said, well, wait a minute, you know, we can't do that or we're not going to. But more companies are starting to recognize that, you know what, it is possible to still put out a high-quality product but at a reasonable price. And people don't mind spending a little bit extra if the value is there and, and if, if what they're paying uh, is going to do what it says it does. Where people have a hard time is just, you know, willy-nilly, that's an old expression, by the way, um, paying no, I'm, I'm, for... I'm old enough to remember willy-nilly. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know what I mean? So, you know, if they're going to pay, like you said, $600, it's the same thing with a lot of the, the you know, um, launch monitors and that, the, the, the mobile launch monitors. I mean, some of them are very, very expensive. They're certainly good and good, good products. But, you know, a lot of people look at that and they say that's a big chunk of, of change to put out. So, um, you know, kudos to you and, and all of the other um, members of the Blue Tea staff uh, who recognize that and have decided, you know, we're going to look at things a little bit differently here. We're going to reach out not just to the consumers, but we're going to reach out to the industry and say, okay, where, you know, what's really happening? What's going on out here? And not just sort of your standard market research, which a lot of companies, unfortunately, still fall into that trap. So kudos to you guys. Uh, for really step, and that's why you're being rewarded um, with with a lot of energy and a lot of excitement. I want to talk about something else, which really caught my eye. On I was looking on on your website. Uh, I've been on many times, but um, something in particular. And um, you guys offer a trade up option, which is uh, very interesting. Tell us about how that works. Well, basically, what how that works on is you would basically go into the website. And um, if you're ready to, let's just say, upgrade your product into a, you know, a newer model, let's say, you can, you know, get into your information there at blueteesgolf.com, um, enter in the data of what particular product you may have um, that you're ready to kind of trade in and trade up, and you'll get a value for that. You send it in, and we, we essentially apply that value to the purchase of a new product. I mean, pretty simple, but yet – very innovative, you know what I mean, Ted? I mean, it's it's something that we're just trying to re- – I mean, I think in general, I mean, again, as a golf professional as well, I think you can you can appreciate this as well. We've seen the – how can I say it? The, uh, the gravy train, if you will, of the golf industry of all the new players that have come into the game in the last three years. But the one big thing that we're trying to – to, to, to the big buzzword, I think, in the, in the industry general is retention, 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 right? How can we keep yes. those players playing, especially with a, you know, a pending recession and everything else that we've, we're hearing yep. around, um, around the world, um, you, know, mm. is what, you know, is, is how can we keep people playing? And then also, how can we 
keep people using uh, using the product, and that's kind of where we started. I mean, we you know we're now on Series Three Max. I believe that's going to be our one, two, three. That's our fourth or fifth different model we've launched in five years. Um, so we're able to you know do a a, a trade in program. Uh, we have a program where you could say uh, Generation Range Finder for Life, where you typically will co- will constantly get a thirty percent discount as you keep recycling up your model um, for life, basically. Uh, right, and, life and that's a product. great so, – yeah, and that's a great opportunity, and that's exactly why I wanted to pull that off the site to talk a little bit about that because, you know, you're exactly right. You know, people don't want to go out and buy something and treat it like which we have for so many years as, as sort of a throwaway. Okay, well, I've had this for three or four years, and, okay, i got to buy something new because the technology changes – so rapidly with, with electronics and, and that sort of thing. People want to look at, you know, upgrading or updating that technology, um, but don't want to feel like they have to make a, a whole brand new investment of, of, you know, full capital again. So to be able to offer a trade-up option like that is a very smart, uh, uh, you know, thing to add to your business model. And it's not available to everybody. Um, I don't mean on yours, but with other products out in the market, that, that's not uh, always an option. And that certainly should be. So, uh, again, kudos to, to your team for uh, adding that in. Um, also, something else that caught my eye, Will, was uh, you guys obviously have a, a very successful brand ambassador program. What are some of the opportunities offered here? Well, and the brand ambassador program, essentially, Ted, what that, what that kind of does, I mean, and I'm sure a lot of your listeners have seen uh, where, where, where we – um, really um, do our best, if you will. I don't want to use the term dominate, but what we do, one of the things we do best is our uh, social media, media marketing and, and getting our message uh, out to the masses via social media platforms. And, you know, with the affiliate program, essentially that just becomes a brand ambassador program where essentially uh, we're looking for people to help us evangelize the brand. And, um, what we're trying to do is get people who have, I mean, obviously there's a vetting process that goes, you know, with our, with our marketing team that kind of, you know, identifies if, if someone can qualify as, a, as an ambassador. But if we're able to get someone on board as an ambassador, then they're promoting products, they're use their followers or their network, if you will, whether it be students if they're a teaching pro or it's just flat-out followers on Instagram, just say they, they put out great content. Um, they're able to to extend um, you know great discounts to their to their community, if you will. So that is uh, mm-hmm. um, part of our brand ambassador program. I mean, again, if you we the one thing we do well is, is promote the brand on on the social platforms, and uh, we're just trying to continue to expand uh, our network of, uh, of of influencers, if you will. Yeah, and and that's uh, again, we're seeing a big shift in the industry. Um, you know, I, I'm, as I'm sure you noticed at the show, you know, we're seeing more technology roll out. Um, things like, um, you know, it's not just in the equipment itself, but it's in, uh, you know, launch monitors, it's in simulators, you know, yeah, all I've of this never is coming. Seen so many simulator oh, I... <laughs> brands in my life than this year at the PBA I know. show. It, it was amazing to see just every corner you turn, there was another simulator. There was another. I mean, it was. It, it again, like we said earlier, it's great to see. Um, it, it's just, yeah. But I apologize. I, I kind of, but yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. No, no, no. 
I, I don't know whose it was. I can't remember because there were so many. But um, uh, and it, and they did it politely. But um, they one of the groups that was there had a little sitting area, basically right beside it. And I didn't realize it was the launch monitor. And I sat down, and somebody very politely came over and said, "Well, you're in our you're in our launch monitor." And uh, oh, I thought, wow. okay, or simulator. Sorry, simulator. Um, and I did I can't remember whose it was. And they were nice about it, but I just thought to myself, I said, well, what are you putting a chair in here for? And that was just, you know, for for purposes of, of demonstration and that. But I just sat but, yeah, down. But, and, it's but anyway. it's really cool to see that from every oh, yeah. aspect of our industry, every data, 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 whether it's not even just in our industry and in life in general, analytics, if you're a sports fan, but between, you know, the old Bill James rotisserie baseball yeah. from 35, 40 years ago that birthed you know, money ball, if you will, now analytics and saber metrics. It's all about numbers, and, and, and consumers of all level realize that, that they want access to data. And it's whether it's a launch monitor, whether it's a range finder, whether it's, you know, now with the balance boards to know what your, right. your, your weight transfer is going, you know. I mean, it, it's just wild because that's how we realize how can you improve or, or maximize distance or do – all these different things, right? It's just, it's just really we're in an industry, we're in an era now of just numbers, 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 and data, and you know yeah. we're able to have a small part of that with distance measuring devices that we're extremely excited about. It's just again, I love. I mean, this industry again. You and I mean, I remember golf tips back in. I think I'm trying to think. Dave Brennan was a gentleman that used to sell. Uh, this is back when a lot of your industries, uh, your your listeners probably never remembered. There were so many golf magazines at one time, right? I mean, right. I, I, as a golf nut, it was as a consumer, it was phenomenal because you get access to so, I mean, so much good content that you had to wait for on a weekly or monthly basis. But now we're getting this instantaneous on all these websites. And anyways, it's just I'm showing my age now, Ted. Well, yeah, I'm I'm a little further up the chain than you are as far as age, but um, but uh, I appreciate. Uh, you know, and you're exactly right. And and so how do you find, let me just ask you this question, and I have something else I want to talk to you about as well. Um, so how do you find, because it is becoming a numbers game and that sort of thing, uh, and, and certainly that's fantastic, but there's also those who have spoken out and said, you know what, sometimes too much information is. So how do you find balance with that? I mean, obviously, you, the range finder, there's certain things that you're going to investigate and say, okay, this is something people want in the range finder. But how do you find a balance with that technology and with those numbers that people don't get overwhelmed with too much information? Because sometimes that can be um, detrimental as well, as you know, in the, in the industry. And that's something that people have oh, tried yeah. to find well, that what balancing act. So, the teaching pro, what is it, paralysis by analysis? Right. Right, exactly. Yeah. So I think, I think from a distance measuring device standpoint, you have, right now we're blue tees stands, right? We have – a point-and-shoot laser yep. rangefinder. We have now all of our inline models incorporate a slope switch. Um, so there may be players, obviously tournament players, you can't use a slope uh, slope in a tournament. But you know, maybe for a beginning player, that slope switch. I mean, I, I'm kind of speculating here because I really feel when it comes to players in general, I mean, every everyone is different, right? But I mean, I think at, at the end of the day, from our category, there are going to be players. Or that we've identified that are just absolutely not a point-and-shoot player, um, whether it be there's all kinds of different players that, that would qualify for that. But that's where this GPS and, and handheld devices kind of 
open, how can I say, it opens the, the, the world, it opens Bluetooth up to a lot more consumers and users that probably wouldn't have used us in the past. I mean, we definitely have, have been a, a, a company that is definitely skewed more younger, um, as you can only imagine, because sure. of our marketing, right? I mean, um, but definitely uh, we're skewing, uh, we're, we're getting a lot more older um, users into the brand now. I mean, I talked to a pro the other day that said, you know what? I want to carry blue teas. I, I've seen it, but I've really seen it a lot in my cart barn because there's a lot of people that are leaving uh, blue teas lasers on my cart. Um, is that, so I figured right. we, you know, we, we, we might as well bring it into the shop because shucks, we're, we're, I mean, as many people that are leaving these things, we're, we're leaving some, some sales on the table, if you will. Um, but I think, right. I, I, again, that's a, that, when it comes to launch monitors, I can't really get into that because obviously we're not in that category. But as you know, sure. when it comes to, uh, I think from a DMD standpoint or distance measuring devices as it pertains to a point-and-shoot or GPS, I think you're either a GPS user or you're a point-and-shoot user. And I think every player who who is – an avid player, whether you're a 35 handicap or a two handicap or, 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 or a scratch player, I think every player can definitely um, benefit from using a rangefinder for sure, whether it's on the course or on the um, or on the practice tee, right? Just actually knowing right. how far you're hitting, uh, you actually hit a club. Um, and, and again, not uh, to butter you up as a as a teaching professional, but also. Um, you, you couple technology with experienced teaching professionals that, mm-hmm. and, and also club fitters that could point you in a different way. Now you're, um, you're cooking with gas, like they say. You know what I mean? It's, um, I think a lot of players need – I talk to a lot of players. I interact with a lot of consumers, and I tell a lot of people, the first thing I would tell you is go, go see a teaching pro and get fit. But don't get fit two weeks after you picked up a club because you're going to be misfit in six weeks after you've taken four or five lessons. Um, but right. definitely, I think there has to be uh, a, a great mixture, if you will, of, uh, of technology, guidance, uh, and club. And if that guidance includes teaching uh, you know, lessons and or fitting, I think those all can, um, can add up to, to, to making uh, a player not only enjoy the game because they're shooting better scores, because like you said earlier, whether you – shoot 120, there's always that one shot that keeps you coming back. Um, so, no, but, but no doubt, I think it just it all depends. But I think at the end of the day, from a rangefinder DMD company, uh, you're either a point-and-shoot player or you're, a, or you're a GPS player. And I think we're extremely excited now that we could kind of open up to that GPS player. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And, and I think it's something, you know, not just on the golf course, as you said, but also on the range as well. I mean, a lot of people – one of the pet peeves that we have with as an instructor is people don't know their numbers. They don't understand how far they're hitting each club. And, you know, and we were talking about this earlier on, uh, on the program when I had the panel and, you know, we talked about where, you know, somebody might come up with a seven iron and say, okay, well, what, you know, what are you doing with your seven iron? Well, I'm hitting it at 150 yards, let's say. Um, but the truth of the matter is out of 10 shots, they're maybe hitting it a couple times, 150, other times it's 135, maybe it's 155, 160, what have you. So there's no consistency, and they don't know what the, uh, the actual distance, there's no consistency to it. So, you know, with the point and shoot or, or some of the other uh, technology that's out there, it gives them a better understanding because now they can actually dial right into how far they're shooting, uh, you know, hitting with their clubs. And that makes it our life a little bit easier as well 
is knowing those numbers um, because that adds to the frustration for the player out there. If they're not consistently hitting a certain distance with the club, then we can kind of look at, okay, why are they not? Because the pros obviously do, um, but the average high handicapper struggles um, with being consistent. So if we get a general idea of how far they're hitting with each club, then we can work on specific drills and things and that to get them where they're narrowing that, that pattern in a little bit more so that when he says, I'm hitting my 750 yards, it may be only a yard or two difference as opposed to a five to 10 yard difference. So the technology is, is definitely a, a great advantage, um, not only for the teaching pro, but for the students uh, as well. Um, one of the things that caught my eye on your, uh, on your website uh, earlier was um, the player's pack. Um, I really like that. I think it's a, a great, uh, a great opportunity for somebody to really, uh, you know, that wants to get a lot of the different products that you have to offer. So what's included in them and uh, give us a, a general idea of what that that's retailing for. Well, Ted, our players, again, go, go, keep in with that same consistent message of accessibility. Um, our S3 max uh, range finders in there, um, our player speaker, uh, our mag hub and our six in one divot tool still comes equipped with, you know, again, three CR2 batteries with the value still in that player pack are going to be in there. Uh, but some other cool accessories. I mean, the Mag Hub is a phenomenal product. Again, very innovative a product that we've uh, we've had in our line for a while now. I mean, it's a, it's basically our Mag Hub that's in this player pack. You clip it to your golf bag, and now if you're a push cart player, I live in Los Angeles, and I'm a push cart player almost yep. exclusively currently. And um, right, being able to just grab my rangefinder off of my push cart and point and shoot and put it right back on my mag hub. It, it essentially becomes a hub that you could magnetize all your magnetic products to. Um, as a push cart player, I'm not digging into my rangefinder case every time I want to point and shoot, which can be a little tedious or mundane at times. Yes. Uh, and, 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 yep. and waste a little bit of time, but also as a rider, it's an insurance policy that you won't forget your rangefinder on your golf cart. So instead of pulling it off the side of the cart, you're pulling it off your golf bag every time. So, and then our six in one divot tool is also included in there. Um, you know, it's again, six in one, if you will, divot tool, ball repair, um, club tee or cigar tee, groove cleaner, alignment tool, things like that. So it's just, it's a true value pack uh, in that player's pack. So it's kind of like the Swiss Army knife of, of golf. Uh, has uh, many tools uh, in one. I think I love it. Uh, I really uh, was very excited when I saw that uh, on your website. I just thought this is, again, it goes back to what we talked about earlier is you guys have really, you know, it's not just about, you know, this product or that product. They all sort of complement one another, um, and then you've nicely bundled them up into this player's pack, giving somebody the opportunity. Again, it's very affordable, uh, you know, uh, pricing to be able to get a lot of these different products and they just complement one another so well, which is very rare uh, in, in, in products. Uh, you know, a lot of times they'll have something and, you know, certainly you have a flagship uh, product and, and that's understandable, but uh, at the same time, all of the other products sort of complement um, that flagship product. And uh, I love the speaker as well. Um, I, I don't have one, but I was actually playing with a group in, um, uh, at uh, uh, Pinehurst earlier last year and, um, they, they had one, and uh, it was uh, very, very cool. So I'm excited to see uh, the upgrades and the, the new features with the app and things uh, when it comes out uh, in the summer and that. But uh, So uh, the most important part is where can the listeners uh, go to get more information uh, about some of the products we've been talking about tonight? 
on all the social media platforms, Blue Tees Golf, uh, and you can also visit blueteesgolf.com. For somebody that maybe uh, hasn't, uh, you know, gotten any of the products uh, from anybody out there, um, what would you say to them uh, that maybe, you know, wants to play golf, wants to better their game? What would be a good thing for them to start with? Uh, I mean, obviously, as a, I would definitely say right off the bat, um, distance measurement device, whether it be our new GPS series that's, uh, that's launching uh, here in the summer, our rangefinder, whether it's our S3 Max, our flagship series, or S2 Pro Plus, uh, that's always going to be the great thing to start with, I feel, um, and mm-hmm. also see your local teaching professional. I couldn't agree more. Well said. Well, Will, I want to thank you. I'm going to let you go a few minutes early, um, but I appreciate you coming on tonight and talking about uh, Blue Tees Golf. A lot of exciting things happening. And, and again, congratulations to you and, and the rest of the team for doing a phenomenal job, I mean, to, to move up the market in such a short period of time. I remember when you guys had first started out, we had uh, uh, somebody from, uh, I think it was Taylor actually had come on, um, to, I believe two years ago. He was on last year, but I believe he was, it was two years ago when he came on. Uh, the program and talked about it and still in the very early stages. So you guys have really uh, made some headway and um, are really coming out with some exciting products. And I'm excited to see what's going to uh, come out uh, this summer. Now, when is that going to be up on your site? So that, uh, is it up there now? The new stuff that's coming uh, out or definitely no? Definitely not up there yet. You should be able to start seeing it. I've got to look at the notes, but we're starting to ship June 1st. So right about that time, okay. right around five, a little bit before Father's Day should be available. Um, we'll start, you know, you'll, we'll definitely, you'll definitely see it in all platforms, uh, when we're ready to go. It hasn't been, uh, put out there. Like I said, I think, uh, your golf talk live, um, listeners are going to be some of the first people that this is going to be the first place they're going to hear about it. Uh, again, Will, I appreciate it very much. You coming on golf talk live tonight and sharing uh, that. Ted, and, thank you so uh, much for sure. having us. Thank, thank yes. you so much. Yeah. Yeah. You guys are, uh, welcome to come back anytime and, uh, like I said, I always uh, like to see uh, innovative companies in that that are really making a change and really doing what they can to help grow this game. It's a, it's a good game, like you said. It's an exciting game, and it really uh, needs to be made available to everybody, and you guys are certainly doing your part uh, with what you're uh, doing at Blue Tea. So thank you very much for taking time tonight, and uh, we'll definitely have you guys back on again in a future show. But uh, have a great weekend, yes, and, and, uh, and uh, enjoy uh, some golf this weekend. I hope so. I surely do. I appreciate everything. Thank you. Have a great (laughs) evening as well. You too. Thank you, Will. Bye-bye. All right. That was the sales director of Blue Tees Golf, Will Carswell, uh, speaking with me here the last uh, 45 to 50 minutes or so, talking about some of the new product lines that are coming out and some of the existing uh, product line that's uh, currently available. And again, as he said, uh, if you go to blueteesgolf.com, all of the information's there that we've talked about tonight, all of the different products. And uh, certainly, uh, if you're an existing customer and maybe you're ready to trade up, as you, I'm sure, already aware, there's a great trade-up option available uh, to get in on some of that newer technology, uh, uh, certainly the next level that Blue Tees has. And, uh, again, for them to uh, pivot to uh, the number two in, uh, in golf uh, in their categories, uh, is is definitely uh, something very uh, you know very good uh, and certainly they should be proud of. Um, all right, uh, again, special thanks to the guys earlier on Coach's Corner, John Hughes and Jim Endicott. Thanks, guys, for doing a fantastic job. And once again, 
Uh, thank you to my special guest this evening, Will Carswell from Blue Tees Golf. On that note, I will be back next week with another Coach's Corner panel and another insightful interview guest. I hope you'll join me. Have a great weekend. God bless everybody. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this week's broadcast of Golf Talk Live. We'd like to thank this week's Coach's Corner panel and a special thank you to tonight's guest. Remember to join Ted every Thursday from 6 to 8 p.m. Central on Golf Talk Live. And be sure to follow Ted on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you're interested in being a guest on Golf Talk Live, send Ted an email at ted.golftalklive at gmail.com. This has been a production of the iGolf Sports Network.